Hi and welcome to episode 78 of the This Is Reportage podcast. My name is Alan Law, I'm the founder of This Is Reportage and This Is Reportage family and I'm a photographer too. Honoured to chat to the fab Gretchen Yost for the podcast this week. Based in the USA, Gretchen has won six Reportage Family Awards and a Family Story Award from our most recent two award collections on this Reportage family, a truly remarkable achievement. But not only is she a great photographer, but she was also a real pleasure to talk to. I hope you enjoy listening today. Stick with us as Gretchen shares all about how she became a documentary photographer, her personal projects, our Netflix synopsis game, how she captured one of her specific Reportage Family Awards, Poo Sticks, why workshops have been so important for her, not having a TV in the house, her top tips for if you're thinking of starting your documentary family photography journey, and much more too. Hey Gretchen, how are you doing? Hi Alan, I'm doing good. <laughs> good, good stuff. It's lovely to hear your voice. And yours. It's it's really fun to hear it live. I've been listening to your podcast um, for a oh. while, and I kind of feel like... Uh, you know, on Survivor, when, when the Survivor contestants meet, um, oh shoot, I can't even think of his name, but when they meet him, the, the host for the first time, they're like, oh my God, that's how I feel right now. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. No, thank you for listening and thank you for joining me now. It's absolutely really lovely to talk to you. And um, yeah, so whereabouts in the world? You're in America, aren't you? I am in America, yes. Okay, whereabouts in America? Oh, I'll ask you that, and, and then my job, my American geography is awful, so I'll ask you it, but I, I kind of won't know when, even when you answer anyway. But where are you? <laughs> I am in Wyoming. I uh, Wyoming's one of the Rocky Mountain states, and I live in a really small town. Um, <clears throat> so for your terrible geography, I'm a couple days drive north of Las Vegas. Oh, okay, cool. That that really helps me. <laughs> wow, a couple of days uh, drive. That's pretty far then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. It's probably a day and a half drive or something. Right, okay, cool. Do you ever make that drive? Do you ever go down to Vegas? Um, <clears throat> I have, but not for a long time. Not since I've had kids. Okay, yes, it's, uh, <laughs> that's true. It's not really a place to take kids, is it? Well, I mean, I think it's a lot better than when I was a kid. Uh, it was it was pretty raunchy when I was a kid, but... <laughs> oh, did you go as a kid, did you? Were you there? Uh, yeah, I did. My, my dad would take us there. He lived in Nevada. Uh -huh. uh, so, yeah, we would we would go down there on occasion. Oh, okay, cool, cool, um, cool. Yeah, I, I, I know I've said it a couple of people have listened to the podcast before, they'll be fed up of me saying this, but I do need to visit other places in America because I've only been to Vegas like six times and never anywhere else. It's so bad, isn't it? It's really bad. Yeah, is that for, um, I mean, a lot of conferences take place in Vegas, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is, it's like a tax expensable trip for me to go over there, really. Uh, for like, yeah, WPPI and things. Um, I've spoken there once as well, so that was good. Um, but yeah, I just enjoy it over there. It's very different to where I live, really, in a very quiet area of the, of the UK. Um, yeah, have you ever been over to the UK? I have not and I have always I've been all over Western Europe um, but not to the UK and I've always wanted to oh you should come it's it's a cool place it's a cool place yeah I, I would love to come my kids would love it we would all love it Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, you're very welcome. Yeah, everyone to come down. It's I live um, about 10 minutes from the beach. It's really nice down here. So, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you live in a very kind of small town, like that like kind of kind of population. How what kind of size? 
Um, so the, the town itself has a population of about 2,000 people. Okay. And, um, and then our, our entire county is about 10,000 people. Oh, wow. It's pretty, yeah, no, pretty small population, isn't it? It's pretty small. Yeah. It, at one point, I used to tell people it was the least populated county of the least populated state in the United States. <laughs> um, but I, I think there's another county in Wyoming now that has fewer people than we do. So oh, okay. Cool. I can't say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> is it a kind of nice, relaxed, kind of slower style of life? Because I live in Cornwall, which is it's a quite a small population as well for the UK, and it is kind of relaxed here. It is. It yes, it is very nice. It's really slow. It's kind of your typical dusty western town that you might see in movies or you know, oh, and then we okay. have mountains nearby, but not, you know, we're still kind of in the high plains. Ooh, sounds so. nice. Is it with well, such a small population? Is it hard? Is it harder to get kind of family clients, you know, for your work, or do you travel all over? Um, I do travel, and it it is harder because it is a small population. So um, I we are I am about an hour and a half drive from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is right at the it's the gateway to Teton National Park and Yellowstone National Park. Um, and an hour and a half sounds really far for anybody who's not from Wyoming, but uh, the old timers will say Wyoming's a short drive and a long walk. Um, <laughs> so for me, it's not far. So I have gone up there and um, I've traveled to Salt Lake. And so I, I will travel for sure. You, ha okay. you have to when you live in this small of a community. So yes, that's true. Isn't it? Have you always lived there? Did you grow up there as well or? Um, no, I grew up in Oregon, in Western Oregon, um, Eugene. It's a university town. Okay. And, um, but my parents, my mom and my stepdad were both from Wyoming. And my dad um, had gone to school in Wyoming. Um, so we've always had a strong connection here. And I ended up where I am uh, because my stepdad had a cabin that he had built um, nearby to here, so. Oh, cool! He built it himself. Yeah, he did. Oh, um, cool. And he was he was an artist and an art teacher, and so he the the art that he made um, outside of school, anything that he sold, he would put that into the cabin he was building. So. On good art years, he could buy lumber, and on bad art years, he would uh, collect rocks out of the creek to build like a chimney. Um, oh, wow! Yeah, so it was pretty cool. That's a great story. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and and Gretchen, I've been asking you know, everyone this. It's obviously um, a big topic, but just wondering, you know, how was last year for you or the last 15 months? You know, um, yeah, how was it for you, like business-wise or, or mentally-wise or both? How have you been? Um, well, it's been really different here than what a lot of people experience, I think. Okay. Um, because we're in such a small community and we're so rural, uh, we really weren't hit by COVID very hard. Right, right. Um, I hesitate to say that because we, our community did lose people to COVID. So, okay. you know, it's not um, that easy, but <clears throat> I mean, our kids have been in school full time in person since the end of August. Oh, wow. And, wow. Um, we had, we had very few restrictions um, for better or worse. 
Um, so it's been like my experience has definitely been different than a lot of the people that I, I hear you interview, you know, mm. or just other photographers. And, and that's the neat thing about being part of this really kind of tight knit international community of, of documentary style photographers is seeing what everybody's experience is with this global pandemic and, you know, yeah. some people are in their third lockdown or people in Spain who weren't allowed to leave their homes except to take their dogs out for a bathroom break. Um, mm. it is, and, you're right. It's so interesting how the different parts of the world have been affected um, and the different effects on their lives. It is so interesting. It's great to hear yeah. it's not affected you to the, oh, oh, sorry, excuse me, <clears throat> to the, to the, the bad degree that it has to other people. And were you able to do um, work then as well? It, it sounds like you would have been able to. Yeah. And actually, weirdly, my, my business was fairly new and it kind of took off. Um, wow, that's great. <laughs> I think part of it was because we really didn't get hit hard here in, in my county um, until October, November, December. So the whole summer, a lot of people were flocking to Wyoming and to the national parks um, to get away from urban environments and to get away from COVID too. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, so it was definitely a different experience. Um, so I did get to work. I mean, when it first hit here in the U.S., I had zero work, obviously, like everybody was just trying to stay home, which was really funny because we really probably didn't need to stay home at that time, (laughs) (laughs) but we just didn't have any cases, Um, but so I didn't have work at all for uh, two months, and then once things started opening up again, then the, the work started coming in, so... Oh, well, that's good. That's great. It's great to hear that you've been able to. Um, yeah, that's really good. How did you find those those initial couple of months when you were having to stay in? Because um, you've got children, haven't you? I think you refer to them yeah. as wild, wild girls or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. I have uh, two girls, nine and 11. Oh, okay, and cool. um, they were so excited. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I understand they were that. They so yeah. excited. They didn't have to. So COVID hit here, like everything started shutting down uh, right around our spring break. So after spring break, they didn't have to go back to school. And they were thrilled to not go back to school. Were you thrilled at the prospect of, uh, did you have to homeschool them for a while then? Um, So the first two weeks, we basically had an extended spring break. And so I took those, I had work to finish. I had editing and stuff I needed to work on. Um, But I set everything aside and I just wanted to focus on getting kind of a schedule in place with the kids because I knew we would probably be homeschooling after those two weeks were over. And so I wanted to the, I, I wanted them to be used to something that wasn't just a free for all. Um, <clears throat> so I really focused on them, and we would kind of sit down. We had our own little homeschool thing going. Uh, the downside to that is when virtual school started back up, they they did not like it. Uh, oh, did they not know? <laughs> they liked mom school way better. <laughs> oh, that's nice though as well. That's nice for you. That's funny. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I I mean, I homeschooled mine for quite a while as well. It was quite quite an experience. Quite an experience. But it was lovely seeing them more as well. It it, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's funny because now, you know, I, I took a lot of pictures then trying to kind of document our COVID experience. Mm. And when those photos pop up in my Facebook memories, it's kind of bittersweet because we really 
we had a really fun spring. Um, I can't remember the last time our spring was that fun. We, we live pretty close to a huge lake and we got to see the lake in every stage of the ice melting, which was really cool. Oh, and wow. this year the lake was frozen and the next thing we knew it was melted and we didn't see any stage of that. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's funny that I think that word that you said there, bittersweet, it, it, you can use that a lot about um, these kind of COVID things because there have been some nice parts of it. Obviously, I mean, it's a it's a worldwide it, a disaster, but there have been some isolated nice parts of it as well, I have to admit. Mm. Yeah, there absolutely have. Um, um, Gretchen, I just well, I, I love this from your reportage, this reportage family bio where you say it's quite a long quote. I'm going to say now, but I like it anyway. So I'm going to say it. Where, um, you say I have photographed family adventures in Yellowstone National Park, families hanging at home, family reunions, families fishing, weddings, births, newborns, baptisms, sports, teachers teaching, high school graduation, working artists, working dogs, all with a commitment to an authentic and respectful documentary approach. I love that. How varied you know your photography is. And how you've captured so much so yeah i just wonder can you tell us you know how it all began for you how you became a documentary photographer oh gosh um <laughs> <laughs> that was a long question wasn't yeah. it? That was long. <laughs> how far back do you want to go <laughs> oh yeah from the beginning from the beginning okay um so photography from the beginning i i got hooked really early on to photography itself um, I, my fourth grade social studies teacher converted his supply room closet to a dark room oh, cool. and we made shoebox pinhole cameras and taped photo paper to the back of them. And we went out to the playground and made a photo and then we brought it into the dark room and we got to develop them. And that just was magical. And it just seared into my brain and heart and soul and um i think from then on i i always had a camera i was always taking pictures um i started with like you know i had a polaroid and then i had one of those little i don't even know if anybody would remember these the little um 120 film cameras that was like even smaller than 35 millimeter oh right okay. um and then my Dad, and so that that last that phase lasted a long time, just having a little point and shoot. Um, and then my dad got me um, a real uh, SLR camera um, for my high school graduation, but he gave it to me about a year early, which was perfect because oh. I really got into it. And I would skip uh, I would skip high school calculus to spend more time in the dark room. <laughs> oh, that's cool! It had its own dark room. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I was hooked from then on. And then after high school, I took a year off before I went to college and I worked, but I spent a lot of time in a dark room and I took classes and uh, then I ended up actually being a second shooter for a wedding photographer who, who was teaching one of the classes I was in. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, and then when I went to college, I majored in fine art photography so it was it was photography through the art school not through the journalism school you could do right. either okay um, what was that like I, studying that was that fun 
it was but when i look back i don't think i really learned that much um (laughs) and i i was only in it for two years and my professor he was really funny he was um i don't he was just a little uh sarcastic and um one day he said something to our class like you know, I don't even know why you guys are paying money to take these classes because you could learn more about the world. You could learn more about the world if you traveled and read books. And at the time I was like, yeah, he's right. Anyway, so I switched majors. So I I didn't end up graduating with a degree in fine art photography, but I did spend a couple of years um, studying it. So um, then from there, after I graduated from college, that's when I moved to Wyoming. And I no longer had a dark room at my service. And then I switched to slide film. And I shot slide film all the way up until my first daughter was born. And then I finally switched over to digital. <laughs> right, wow. Gosh, it's, it's properly in you, photography. It's properly in you from a really early age then. Yes, for sure. And the degree to which I've put effort and focus into it has waxed and waned over the years. Mm. Um, You know, there were years where all I had was a point and shoot, but I was still shooting uh, slide film with the point and shoot. Um, You know, if I if I just wasn't as into it, then I would sell all my camera gear, get a point and shoot, be happy with that. Mm. Um, And I would just go back and forth. But yes, it's always... Uh, it's always been a part of my life. Well, it's, pro- it's proper cool. How did you start, you know, making it a kind of like a professional kind of career? What was the what was the impetus for that? Um, so after my daughter was born, I started a blog, um, you know, your typical kind of mommy blogger sort of thing right. that was popular back then. So this was like 11 years ago. Um, and I was that really inspired me to pay more attention to the kinds of photos I was taking because I was putting them on this blog. Um, And then some friends, I was in a fairly new community, new to me community and some friends after a while, they said, you know, you, your pictures are really good. We should have you do our family pictures. And, uh, and that's really how it started. The, the family pictures I took at that time, because I didn't know of anything else. I didn't know what else you were supposed to do were more lifestyle pictures. Right, sure. Um, But then, uh, oh, probably a year after that, I discovered Documentary Family, and I was like, oh, this is is what I I do. This is where my heart is. Oh, that's cool. When you say you discovered it, in what sense? What do you mean you saw other work like it, or you started to just work like that yourself more, or...? Um, I think the approach is already what I was doing in terms of not posing people, mm. um, you know, not not telling people what to do. I was already kind of doing that. Um, but in terms of it actually being a thing and a genre, um, I had learned about Kirsten Lewis, yeah, which yeah. is, yeah, you're, you know, a lot of people, that's their path. Um, and then I'd also seen the work of Nikki Boone, which was really inspiring for me because I was, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what my kids do. Um, <laughs> this is what I want to photograph, too. So those were my two um, 
sort of introductions, I guess, to documentary. And then from there, I started taking some workshops and things. Oh, okay, cool. I was going to ask you about yeah. that if you've done any workshops. Yeah, so that that's, um, I, I, it was a big eye opener for me when I did my first workshop in the wedding world quite a long time ago now. Was that a big deal for you going on workshops? Um, it was, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so the first one I did was with, um, Four people, it was uh, Felicia Chang, uh, Jessica Thomason, Thomason uh, Heather Witten, um, and Lauren Mitchell. And they each contributed to the workshop in phenomenal ways. There are so many things that I just have these huge takeaways that have lodged in my brain and stayed there, and I'm, I'm so grateful for it. Oh, and then more recently, just in the last year, I took an incredible workshop from uh, Chuck Anarino. Okay. Um, yeah, so. It's good to still do that as well, isn't it? Still do that and still to always learn. It's so important. I, I don't think I, I, I have photographer friends who are like, oh, my, my work's good. I'm, I'm good. Like, I, I need to focus on this or that. And I don't think, I'm a lifelong student. I don't think I will ever stop learning. There's my list of things I want to learn is long and I just keep mm. plugging away at it. <laughs> I, I think that's definitely the best way to be. Definitely the best way to be. And I, I like to go to, uh, we were talking just before starting this and you you say no, you went to a storytellers conference and you and I, I really like going to conferences as well and hearing from all different kinds of speakers, just hearing how they do things differently. I just think that's just so, so, so good to do. But also the networking side of it. And I've really missed that during these past like 18 months, not being able to do that. It's been tough that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the networking side is really fun. And then, uh, like we were talking about earlier, sometimes when you go to a conference, you don't realize who people are. Mm -hmm. uh, and then afterwards, it's like, oh, yeah, you were there too. Oh, I know you. And yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's pretty fun. It is fun. Yeah, oh, I'm looking forward to, to that all happening again uh, soon, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. Things are looking, you know, I guess I can only talk from the UK's perspective and things are looking, you know, very positive over here. We've got a really high kind of vaccination rate and, you know, fingers crossed we're going to be shooting a lot more this year. So, yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that's great. Um, let's let's change tack slightly, Gretchen, and let's let's go to something that you were not looking forward to me asking you. So... <laughs> <laughs> A <laughs> little Netflix game. Oh boy! <laughs> but you never know. I might surprise both of us. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You might nail it. You might nail it. Definitely. Cool. Okay. So, um, yeah. For the past few episodes, we've just been doing this little game. Well, I'll read a, out a little synopsis of um, a series or a movie, and let's see if you can get it from the synopsis. Okay. You ready? Okay. Okay. Do you watch much Netflix or TV? Uh, so we don't have a TV, but we do have a computer, so we have Netflix, okay. um, but I have not watched, I watched a lot at the beginning of the pandemic, and I haven't watched very much since then. Okay, well, I'm going to do a mix of older stuff and new stuff, so we'll see. So you don't actually have a TV at all in the house, that's really cool. No, I've never had a TV in my adult life. Uh, I did as a kid growing up, but... Yeah. Okay. Gosh, so that must be for a proactive reason, no, specifically not having one then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it's really funny because my kids think um, we can't afford a TV. <laughs> <laughs> I had to tell them that that's not the case, that we just don't like it and we don't like what's on there generally. <laughs> I understand that. 
I understand that. Oh, uh, so your kid that must be that must be a kind of a different life for your kids i know my kids probably like many um, probably have too much screen time um but yeah it must be different for yours are they like playing outside more and just enjoying life more rather than being in front of the screen i guess yeah they're uh, they're not we're, we're pretty strict on screen time um my daughter my youngest has been sick the last couple days so she's gotten to watch some she's been on the uh the great british breaking show actually oh really cool yeah. <laughs> um so but for the most part they get movie night once usually friday night sometimes they might get a second movie night on saturday or sunday and that's about it for screen time gosh that's cool it must make them really appreciate that time that they do get though as well that's that's cool yeah they they really look forward to it and they uh they think hard about what movie they want to watch so (laughs) yeah i bet yeah wow it must be it's more it's in more intensive um parenting for you i guess because you know i i have to admit sometimes the screen times is quite nice when i'm kind of parented out you know and it's like yeah you can watch telly for a little bit but it must be well i guess it's just more intensive parenting and you must enjoy that well it's um it's a cut well for one i think your kids are younger aren't they uh, yeah, uh, yeah, nine and six. So one, yeah, one. Okay. Yeah. So when my kids were younger, they got more like when um, when I had a toddler and a baby, and I would need to put the baby to to get her down for a nap. Then the toddler got to watch something, um, right. you know. So I I did use it for sure as a babysitter when they were younger, just to keep them out of the knife drawer or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um but now that they're older yeah they just the biggest thing is they they're super creative which is a positive and a negative it also means they're really messy and they make a lot of they 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 are very productive and they make a lot of messes but they create a lot of cool stuff too so that's really good it's great to harbor that creativity in them i think that's awesome yeah that's really cool yeah Okay. Anyway, question. Let's 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 go on. Let's see how you fare with this. Let's see how you fare. Uh, just okay. fun. Just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this first one is a series. It's an old series. You know, it's about. Well, is it? Oh, it's quite a long time now. Probably ten or so years ago. So anyway, okay. that's a bit of a clue. Okay. Okay. So this is the synopsis. Okay. After Oceanic Airlines Flight Eight One Five or Eight Hundred and Fifteen crashes down, the survivors are on what seems to be a deserted tropical island. Their survival is threatened by a number of mysterious entities, including polar bears, an unseen creature that roams the jungle, and the island's malevolent inhabitants. Oh my gosh! I I know this. I <laughs> I know I've watched this. Um. Oh. It's so tricky uh, thinking of the names of things, isn't it? I totally oh get that. Oh, gosh, yeah, it's so hard. I want to say that it's Travelers, but I know that's not it. Oh, uh, no, it is just a one-word title, though, like that, just one word. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of it. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't, no worries. Shall I tell you what it is? Yeah. It's uh, Lost. Oh, yes, okay. Yeah, I did, I watched that. So. It was good, wasn't it? I did. I used to really enjoy that. Actually, that was good. Yeah, we did. I I don't know. Some of the seasons kind of go on, and I mean, for shows in general, they go on and on, and they get terrible. And I can't remember if we quit watching it because it got bad or because it it just ended. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember the last episode was uh, polarized. It's fans. It was very like you either loved it or hated it. But the whole thing, oh, was, okay. I used to love watching that. That was good. Anyway, okay, that's good. You knew that one anyway. It's just trying to. I knew it. I just knew didn't it. know the title. I couldn't come up with the title. Yeah, you definitely knew it. That's okay. That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> right. Let's go. Let's go on to the next one, which is a movie. And this is a lot more recent. I think it's a couple of years old now or, or something like that. And I, I anyway. Okay, this is the synopsis. Five years after an ominous unseen presence drives most of society to suicide, a survivor and her two children make a desperate bid to reach safety. Oh, I watched that too. Um, uh, Bird Box? Nice, yes. That's it. (laughs) You got it. Boom. I've not seen it. Is it good? I've not seen it. It is good, but it's creepy. It's weird, uh, but it's very good. It's worth watching. Oh, okay. I will watch that. It sounds harrowing from the synopsis. It sounds ooh, horrible. But, yeah, mm. it is. It's probably not that great to watch during a pandemic, but oh, okay. um, <laughs> it, it is good. It's, it's a good movie. Okay, great. I, I will put that on the watch list. Okay, are you doing well? This is two out of two. This is great, Gretchen. This is great. So, um, let's go to your final one then. Your final one, uh, and this is a series. It's not on Netflix actually. It's on. I think it was on Prime over here, but I don't know in America. But anyway, okay. Um, this series chronicles the Pearson family across the decades and reveals how the tiniest events in our lives impact who we become and can transcend time, distance, and even death. Oh, I have no idea. Okay, cool. No that idea. is uh, <laughs> that is this is us. This is us. Oh, that's really embarrassing. I just started watching that one. I guess I didn't realize <laughs> their <laughs> their name was Pearson. Yeah, I would I would totally have forgotten that it's Pearson as well. Actually, yeah. Are you? <laughs> and it's quite a strange synopsis that I think it's a bit of a grand synopsis. Um, but yeah, are you enjoying it? I am, but I'm not very far into it. I just so that's on Hulu here, and I okay. just I just got a I did the free trial for Hulu so I could watch Nomadland. Oh yeah, and um, so I just started it, but I've heard the first few seasons are good, and then it starts to get kind of desperate. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We're on. We've watched almost every episode apart from the very last one, and yeah, maybe the most recent season's not so good. But the most re- it's it's quite strange because the most recent season is kind of like up to date in life. So it it's like oh. pandemic. Yeah, there's like oh, pandemic in there. That would be Masks. cool. Yeah, it is actually. That would be it's, it's, cool. That makes me want to keep going. Okay. You should. Yeah, do keep going because it is beautiful series. Honestly, I think the way they write around so many different kind of relationships and so many angles of things, it's it's a great insight into family life, I think. It's really Oh, great. that's really – yeah, I'm really enjoying it right now, but I'm early in the, in the season. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that, yeah. So I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to give up on it. Mm, that's good did you know anything about it before you watched the first episode because it was a shock to us the ending we didn't know anything about it you know it's quite a twist at the end of that first episode when you realize i don't want to spoil it for people but did you know anything about it beforehand um i i knew nothing i knew nothing about it i just uh it looked you know the little synopsis uh on hulu looked good so I started it and and I really enjoyed it. But yes, the 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 end of the first episode uh surprised me. I wasn't expecting that. Oh cool. Yeah, neither we we weren't either. It's cool that. Yeah, that's good. I like the way we've spoken about it without actually spoiling what it was. So people can if they're listening now, <laughs> do do check it out. It's really it's really, really good. I, I think of it as like a kind of like an adult Dawson's Creek. Did you ever watch Dawson's Creek? 
No. Uh-uh. Uh, okay. So it's anyway. Okay. That that won't mean nothing to you then, because you know what. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gretchen, let, let's change tack again. Let's go, let's go to photography. Um, if someone was just thinking of starting out as a, as a documentary family photographer, you know, what advice would you give them? If they're at the beginning of their journey, they, you know, they realize they really want to do this, um, you know, this is the, the path for them. What advice would you, would you give to them? Um, I would tell them to invest in their education. Um, I, I would advise them to take documentary workshops, um, classes. I think that was, for me, it's been something that I would put off for as long as I could until I would get to a point where it was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not improving. I'm not learning anything new. I, I need outside help. And I wish I hadn't waited that long. Uh, so that would be my, yeah, that would be my, my number one tip for anyone just starting out is um, if you're already comfortable with the basics of your camera gear um, to take a workshop. Mm, I totally agree. Totally agree. And it was a big game changer for me, as I said before as well. Um, yeah. And, and the thing you said you did with Chuck, was that like a one-on-one kind of mentoring thing or was that like an in-person kind of workshop or? Um, so the ones that I've done have been, um, over, uh, what we would call zoom now. I don't know what platform we used, but, oh, yeah. um, yeah. So, and it would be a class setting. So there would be, um, maybe 12, some 12, well, I don't know, I guess it depends on the workshop. Um, but probably no more than 12 people on at once. And, uh, and then the instructors would be on. So, or, and it would be a mix of like written, uh, written material videos and then a live, um, critique type session. Oh, that's cool. That's really involving. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. And, and um, yeah, and if people can do physical ones as well, when when COVID rules allow, I definitely definitely massively recommend them. I've 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 gone on some great workshops and love them. Really good stuff. Um, Gretchen, I believe yeah. you're you're working on a couple of personal projects at the moment. Is that right? Can you tell us about them? Um, yes. So one of them is ongoing. It's probably going to be ongoing for a long time. But one of the things that attracts me to photography and the power of a visual image is photographing things that we might not see as much of or um gosh just well so for example this first project i'm working on um it's exploring the intersection of hunting culture and domestic life and typically when we see hunting culture, we see the same image over and over and over again, which is someone, usually a white male standing next to their kill with a big smile on their face and their mm-hmm. weapon or their firearm or bow, mm-hmm. uh, whatever they used. And that's generally what we see. Um, mm, it's true. I don't, you know, so, as, and I'm a hunter too. And uh what i've realized and and what any hunter will tell you almost any hunter will tell you is at that point where you're standing in front of your kill that's when the real work begins uh and then you have to figure out how you're going to get that animal home 
and how that animal is going to become meat in your freezer right. and the involvement of family. So I'm really exploring um, kids, just people we don't normally see in these photos. So oh, that's kids interesting. involved in the process, women involved in the process, um, people of color involved in the process, um, because those are things we just don't see as much of. Right. That's really but interesting to show all those different sides that the world doesn't normally see. That's really interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, fun, but it's very limited on when I can actually uh, make those photos. So. Right. Sure. Okay. And so you, are you taking that, is that in a kind of documentary way, most of that work for that project? Um, it's all been documentary. Oh, it's okay. all documentary. Um, there is a woman that I did, um, a, I, I did an environmental portrait of her, so that was posed, um, but everything else has been documentary so far. Oh, that's cool. And how long have you been doing that project for? Um, well, I mean, it started with my own family, so right. it could go back uh, ever since my kids were big enough to go with us and help us. Um, so I think the earliest would be, oh gosh, my youngest may have been two or three. Oh, wow. So quite, quite some years then starting. That's cool. And do, and with a project like that, do you know, do you um, like having like an end goal in mind, you know, like for how you're going to be like maybe displaying the images, whether it's going to be like for a, a photo book or a website or how do, do you, do you think of that kind of end goal or not? Or? Um, so for the other project, I, I do have an end goal for this one. I don't, I just know that I want to, I have only started, just started photographing people outside of my family for this project. And I know I want to get a lot more families. So this is definitely long-term and partly because, uh, like I said, I'm really limited on, on when I can uh, photograph for that. So um, the other project I'm working on is not, it's not documentary uh, as much. It's more of a portrait project. And I do have an end goal uh, for that one. Ooh, 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 tell us what's the <laughs> what's the end goal? What's the end goal? <laughs> uh, so the portrait project is just um, again, it's like trying to address things that we don't see as much of. So I'm making portraits of people within my small community um, that, to me, are inspiring um, or show some kind of resilience um, okay. and my end goal for that, I really would like to be ready for an exhibit within a year. Oh, um, wow, and I really am doing it for my community. So I, I would like to have an exhibit like up just in, locally, like maybe up at our library or something. Oh, that's really cool. I think that's so good. You know, I know it's just and personal projects in general are something I've never done. I really, I really should. Are they, are they something that you've kind of always done through throughout your life then? Uh, not necessarily. Or if I have, I didn't really put a lot into it. I didn't think about it that way. Um, but I, I have so many ideas for personal projects that it's kind of ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, and it's really fun to, to finally have, you know, my kids are at a stage where I can, I can take the time. Cause that's really the biggest thing. If it's outside of your own family <clears throat> is finding the time to be able to go out and pursue it. Cause it's not, yeah. it's not paid work. Mm. Um, 
So it's, you're really just fulfilling something that you want to accomplish and it doesn't involve your family and it's not paid work. So it takes a lot of intention and um, self-motivation, but it is really rewarding and, and fun. That's really cool. Yeah, really cool to hear. And this, the, the portrait um, kind of project, how are you finding the people to feature then? You say that kind of maybe show resilience or how are you finding them? Well, so <clears throat> I've had, this sounds super creepy, but <laughs> <laughs> I've had a list of people that just inspire me. And when I meet them, I think, oh gosh, I'd love to photograph them someday. And, oh, uh, you know, it's a small town. So you meet, you know, you meet people and you, you learn about people maybe a little quicker than you would in a larger community. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's how it started. And then <clears throat> I did a uh, portrait workshop just, oh, it was maybe a month and a half ago. And that was what lit the fire to actually call these people up and ask them if I could take their portrait. Right, okay. Yeah, so, were you nervous to do that, to make that initial? Oh, yeah, I think I would have put it off for another couple of years if I hadn't <laughs> been taking that class. <laughs> oh, I understand that. And how, how, you know, were they quite receptive to having their, their portraits taken by you? How was the reaction? Yeah, I mean, originally, you know, initially everyone's skeptical because <clears throat> photographers have a lot of power on how you're going to represent someone. Yeah, so, true. you know, they're like, okay, so what are you doing with these photos? And once I explained it, then they were all over it. Um, they and, and, and most of them were really excited about it. So that was really cool. Oh, that's really cool because it's—I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's fulfilling, rewarding to yourself, and you're also giving back to that community and giving back to those individuals that you're featuring as well. I think it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and talking of your imagery uh, again here, one of your specific Reportage Family Awards that I love, and I know it's been awarded in other places as well. It's such a a great image. It's a black and white shot of numerous kids like running up to what looks like. I don't know, like railings, I think, you know, with the sun behind uh -huh. them. Do you know the image I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. Uh -huh. And you've, you've captured this like kind of, it's a great sense of movement. I just think it's a really beautiful shot. Um, can you tell us more about that frame, you know, how you captured it? Yeah. So um, these are, so two of my kids, my two kids, and then the rest are friends, um, but they're all different ages. So they range in age from six to 13. Okay. And they were at this irrigate. There's this bridge on a bike path over an irrigation ditch, and they were throwing sticks over the bridge on one side, and then they would each throw a stick in at the same time, and they would run to the other side to see whose stick won. Oh, cool! And we call that we call that poo sticks in Britain. Oh, you have a, of course you have a name for it. I don't think we have a name for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poo, poo sticks. I don't know why it's called poo sticks. Or maybe that's just what we call it. I don't know. But yeah. Oh, that's funny. Sorry. Anyway, go on. Yeah, go on. Oh, no, I love that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to Google that because if we have a name, that's what I should have titled the photo if we had a name <laughs> that I knew of in, in, in American English. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Maybe other British people listening to this now probably go, what? How? What are you talking about? We don't call it that. But that's what we call it. Our family call it that. <laughs> anyway so yeah um but i just i loved it because i felt like no matter where you are in the world if you're a kid and you have any form of moving water even if it's water um 
in a, you know, a, a drainage ditch on the side of the street, if you have any form of moving water and anything that will float in it, if it's a leaf or a piece of trash, I feel like kids around the globe do this exact thing. And I, and I was trying, and I, I did a lot of um, still photos, you know, so photos that did not show the movement, mm -hmm. uh, just with a regular shutter speed and not a slow shutter. Yeah. And then, uh, and that just wasn't, and they just kept doing this over and over and over again. <laughs> So I, I had a lot that's of handy. that's handy when they yeah that's yeah. really handy when they're doing that isn't it that's really good yeah <laughs> yeah so I had a lot of opportunity to figure out how best to capture this uh, phenomenon and yeah that's awesome that's and it's proper great. cool so that was just like experimentation and uh, yeah great so that was the slowest shutter speed it's so cool though it's it's just because you've got a lot of sharpness in the image as well so it's not you know it's it's just such a great sense of motion and the sun behind them it's, it's a, just a really beautiful evocative image i think it's just really cool yeah thank you it definitely stretched the capability of my camera i think i was at f22 <laughs> oh right yeah it was a bright below. sun uh, behind yeah. them so very cool very cool and, and so great to hear um, about it i think it's one of my favorite things in the podcast is li listening to photographers own words about their own images because it's something you just normally just don't get to hear you know we look at people's images all the time every day everywhere and we never it's very rare that we actually hear from the people who created them so i think thank you for sharing that it's lovely yeah absolutely no i agree that is uh, you know sometimes people just get lucky and sometimes it was a long oh, I fought battle for a photo so yeah that was a process you knew what you were doing and experimenting and nailing it it was, it was really really cool um and people listening now do head to thisreportage.com or thisreportagefamily.com and i'll include that um specific award that gretchen just spoke about yeah, that was awesome um okay gretchen let's let's change tack again let's change tack um can you tell me something that you're truly totally awful at um, photography related or just anything? No, just anything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can say photography for this one. You definitely can't say that. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, oh, something I'm truly terribly awful at. Gosh, yeah. probably a ton of things. My husband would probably say cooking. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he does most of the cooking uh, in our house. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I do all the cooking in my house, actually. That's funny. Good for you. <laughs> I, I can't wait for him to hear this because I think he thinks he's the only man on the planet that does as much cooking <laughs> as he does. <laughs> that's funny. My cooking is awful, though, and it's very limited to about five different meals so yeah yeah can't think of something i'm not good at ball sports oh really oh, okay cool well like tennis and table tennis and stuff anything with a ball <laughs> Other than juggling i can juggle oh that's cool great oh cool that's a good life skill to juggle though it's a good skill it is it's uh it's essential <laughs> yeah, in that sense as well but, but yeah but the actual juggling is a very cool I, I find it because I can juggle as well I find it kind of very almost therapeutic to do I don't know if I'm good enough for it to be therapeutic maybe at one point it was therapeutic um right now I'm just trying to keep usually it's oranges to entertain kids so oh. If I can keep them long enough to make them go, wow, then uh, I'm successful. 
That is good going. Yeah, that is good. I get told off by my wife when I juggle uh, oranges. She always um, tells me off when I do that because I will inevitably drop one. And um, oh. <laughs> yeah, that but, happens too. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Um, Gretchen, what does it mean to be successful to you? It's quite a big life question, this one. You know, what is success to you personally? Oh, um, yeah. So the, so if you're going to say this is a big life question, then um, this is not like a business question. Um, it's a, yeah. I, it's I, however I, you want to take it, really. Sorry, sorry, but okay. yeah, sorry. Yeah, no. I would just. Uh, I I think success is. I mean, it's going to sound super cheesy, but. Um, being happy and healthy and with the people you love oh yeah uh, that that's that would be success for me totally agree with you i think that's a, absolutely a beautiful way of, of summing up it and i totally agree same with you yeah yeah just being happy it's just always so interesting to hear people's um thoughts on that do you have you know if we do talk about the business wise of it do you have any kind of you know, do you set yourself kind of like business goals or, or things that you, you try and achieve? Or do you, are you someone who kind of just sees what kind of happens and sees, you know, without having a big kind of long-term plan? How, how do you view it? Um, well, my business is fairly new still. So um, I feel like I'm still kind of fumbling through it. Um, <laughs> so that. most of my goals are you know, pretty basic right now. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, so I got to, I have some stuff on my website, but I don't have everything on there. Um, and, uh, and then another one is shooting wise with my family sessions. Um, I feel like, I feel really good and confident about my documentary family work. Um, but I really want to make a point to, get good portraits just to pause for a few minutes and get a good portrait. Um, Even if the kids are crying and mad or whatever, um, just to, to pause and do that. And sometimes I remember, sometimes I don't, sometimes the families don't want that anyway. Mm. Uh, But I, I think it's important just to have one. And, and that's one of my goals for this year is to make sure, especially for, a longer sessions, like half day or full day sessions to make sure we take that time to make one good portrait. Oh, that's cool. I think it's really good to have little goals like that, certain things. It, it makes you, yeah, it kind of focuses you, I guess. Um, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, for sure. What, have you um, Have you been able to shoot? Um, I guess you have been. I was going to say, have you been able to shoot kind of recently family stuff? I guess you have been able to. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, it never really, I mean, it stopped here for a couple of months and, and then after that, I, I went back to shooting. Uh, it just looked differently. Sometimes my clients were wearing masks. I was always wearing a mask, um, unless we were outside. Uh, and yeah, so I've been able to, to photograph since, um, I think so. Everything ended in March and I think I started photographing again in June. Right. Wow. That's so good. It's so good. I'm so happy for you. I mean, that's, that's really, really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, it was weird. I, though. It was weird. It was like, you know, every time it's like, oh my gosh, like, are we making the right decision? Are we being irresponsible? Um, 
Uh, yeah it's so much to think about isn't it but if you're just going with the advice of you know of of your area and and you had such a low instances of it there then it's all it's all good that way i guess yeah yeah were you shooting more outside rather than inside and things or were you able to go in people's homes as well and um in the in the beginning it was almost all outside um and and then i did do some in homes um but that was i mean it's you know we were just careful like mm. i would look at our numbers and if i was going somewhere i would look at their numbers and um i would talk to the you know i was uh, part of a i was able to register my business for um a surveillance covid testing program so i could get tested um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, I, I could get tested every week or every two weeks. Um, oh, so great. I would, if I knew I had a session coming up, I would try and time my test to be uh, so I got the results uh, right before the session. Oh, and, perfect. Yeah, so, but it's weird. Like, it's different than being in a place where the government's saying everybody stay inside or this is what's allowed and this isn't allowed. It's really strange when that responsibility is put on each individual and uh, never works. So. Mm, wow. It's so interesting to hear. It's so interesting to hear. Um, it, taking COVID out of the question, Gretchen, um, mm -hmm. it, you know, pretend it n never existed, didn't exist. Um, what's, you know, what to you is the most challenging aspect of family photography and, and the work that we do? What's the most challenging aspect of it? That could be shooting wise or business wise. You know, what do you just personally find the most challenging? Um, for me, it would be the business, uh, cause that's, I've not been a business owner before. Um, okay, yeah. so yeah, learning the, the business aspect and dedicating time toward the, towards the business aspect, that has definitely been the most challenging part for me. I feel like, um, my, the photography end of my business kind of took off and ran and the business end is just constantly like running to keep up but you know has a mm. broken ankle or something <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way that's a good way of saying it yeah that's cool do you in, do you not enjoy the business side or is it just something you just don't have that much experience of i guess or um it it depends i get i get a lot of satisfaction when i get something checked off the list on the business side that's been on my list for a long time uh but i definitely will procrastinate those things for as long as possible <laughs> And then, I get like, oh my gosh, I just have to get this done. <laughs> oh, I, I totally understand that. I totally understand that. Do you do much in the in the sense of kind of like social media marketing, you know, Instagram and Facebook and things? Um, I'm, I, I need to get way better at marketing. I'm not very good at marketing. Um, but I, I will say that with what little marketing I do, I have, um, I think I have gotten a lot of clients from Instagram um, I've definitely gotten clients from word of mouth and, right. um, and maybe a little bit from Facebook. So I think just being active, uh, in both of those places is important. I think that's so true. Yeah, it's, it is really true just to be active and updating and letting people know you still exist, getting your work out there. Um, it's just so important. And yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you're getting lots of word of mouth things means you're doing a really good job. You know, some people say that's luck, but it's not luck. It just means you're doing a really good job. So that's all really good as well. 
Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, the business side for me, I, I enjoy it as well as the photography side. I do enjoy both. So I think photography is a great kind of marriage of those two things um, for me. Yeah, that's really cool. So I mentioned before that my um, my stepdad was an artist. Uh, yeah. And and he was an art, like a high school art teacher, but he was also um, an artist in his own right. And he he passed away from cancer pretty young. He was only 60 and so we had started a scholarship fund for kids uh, who were going to pursue art, um, who were graduating from the high school that he taught at. And one thing he always said was, they never teach you business in art school. And so part of our requirement for this scholarship was that anybody going into art school would also need to take business classes. Ah, that's so clever. Yeah, that's so wise. Mm, That's so lovely doing that as well. But it's so true, isn't it? It's so important, the business side is is so important. It is, yeah. It's it's Mm. very important. It's definitely my weakness. So I hope I answered your question. <laughs> oh, you totally did. You totally did. Yeah, totally did. Um, before before I started being a photographer, by the way, I was very boringly, I was doing search engine optimization. So, you know, getting clients high up in Google for things like car insurance. But well, that was a very handy skill for me to have when I started being a photographer myself, you know, having that seo knowledge so oh yeah you can do you do that for other people <laughs> no I, I i did do years ago but now i just <laughs> i don't have the time but yeah it was a very handy skill it was yeah have, that you, done would much, be. have you done much seo or anything no i'm i'm seriously i'm horrible at all of that stuff <laughs> i get it no I'm i don't about it, though. i'm learning about it i do i work through the i through i work through my list and i slowly figure all this stuff out yeah it's good to do that it's really good are you quite a, a quite a list maker then do you make a lot of lists uh i do so i uh have you heard of the bullet journaling method oh i don't know what's that oh it's just um it's like a planner like a, a weekly or a daily planner um but it's more open-ended uh katie Jetballs introduced me <laughs> to it and it's been a lifesaver it's my entire life is organized in this <clears throat> one okay. little journal oh, okay cool well, that's good yeah that's good yeah you should check it out I, it's pretty awesome what's it called again say what's it called uh bullet journaling oh okay cool yeah i will check that out i will look into that i i'm very uh old school with my i just have a little kind of to-do list on my desktop which is just a notepad thing and i just kind of cross it off on there yeah very old school i'm old school in a lot of that way you know i don't use any kind of like um admin software or anything i just use excel and outlook and stuff and yeah that's cool yeah i like that yeah good old school together old school together (laughs) it's good (laughs) uh gretchen we've we've been almost an hour already it's funny looking down the time honestly time flies talking to you it's so cool Um, got time for one more question if that's okay with you Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, are we going to do photography or no? Let's do. Let's do not photography. So I'm enjoying this. I like. I quite like the random questions as well. So, <laughs> um, if you could choose one day in your life, Gretchen, to live over and over again, like Groundhog Day. Have you seen Groundhog Day? Yes, I have. <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? I love that film. Do you like it? Uh yes. Uh huh. Yeah. 
I love Bill Murray. He's such a good. I love Andy McDowell actually. I know people weren't keen on her in Four Weddings and a Funeral, but I loved her in that. But anyway, sorry. Uh, very oh, much. I did too. I did too. Oh, did you? Oh, that's yes. cool. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, I just think she's ace. I love Four Weddings and a Funeral. That's one of my favorite films. It's great. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Good. Good stuff. That's good. Um, sorry. So yeah, let's get back to this question. If you could, if you could choose one day in your life to live over and over again, which day would you choose? Oh, um, that is a big question, isn't it? That's a that's a tough question. I would choose. This is. I mean, I wish I could choose a day where like all my family was present too. Um, okay. But barring that, I would choose a day. What my family? We love to go backpacking. We have mountains right behind us. And I would choose a day in the backcountry with my family. Oh, that's very nice. That's lovely. so you can literally just walk from your house, can you, and backpack? Um, I mean, uh, literally, yes, we could, but we usually drive to a trailhead. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It sounds lovely. It sounds lovely where you are. It is. It's it's wonderful. It's it's really cold. Um, so our our grass is just now starting to green up. Oh, really? Wow. Is that cold? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's cold. <laughs> oh, see, I've no, I, I'm so bad in my American geography, sorry, and climate things. I really don't have a clue. Oh, wow. So what, how cold does it go in your kind of deepest part of winter? Um, <clears throat> it gets to, I mean, it probably gets to 20 below zero Fahrenheit. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Every winter, the old timers will talk about when it would get to like 40 below. Um, but that doesn't really happen much anymore. Um, so yeah, it gets pretty, it gets pretty cold. All right. Well, in Britain here, we, we say it's really like freezing when it's about one degrees or two degrees. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but you have a lot of moisture. See, we're really dry. So our cold doesn't feel as cold as it would where you are. Uh, okay. Oh. That's cool. Well, all interesting. I love I love talking to people from all over the world. It's just so fascinating. It's just mad, isn't it, with modern technology as well. We're like thousands of miles away from each other, and, and just talk. It's anyway. It's just I just find it really. It cool. is. It's so cool. It's um, uh, because we're not a TV family, and we're not a, really a device family. My kids think technology is evil, uh, which is <clears throat> partly our teaching, but I. I keep trying to say, but look at like these positive aspects and, you know, the fact that we can do this is so cool. It really is. It's so true. It's probably good for them to grow up in that mentality of, of knowing the dark sides of it though. I mean, the bad sides of it, cause there really is a lot. Um, yeah. But as you say, there are some good sides of it as well. There really. Yeah. Really yeah. Absolutely. Um, Gretchen, thank you so much for talking to me. Well, thank you, Alan. It's been a pleasure. Oh, I've really enjoyed it. And thank you to just sharing so many great stories and great bits of advice and tips. And I've just really enjoyed it. I've had a big smile on my face during this. So, yeah, thank you. Awesome. I do, too. I have a big smile on my face. This was fun. Oh, that's cool. Cool. And, and people listening now do head, as I said, uh, head to thisreportage.com or thisreportagefamily.com. I'll include the specific Reportage Family Award that Gretchen spoke about and a link through to um, your site as well. And hopefully, hopefully, maybe one day I'll get to meet you in the flesh. Um, that would be cool. I, I will give you a call when, when we finally make it to the UK. 
do do definitely <laughs> do do <laughs> that would be awesome and if i ever ever visit anywhere else other than vegas i'll let you know as well you have to get out of vegas that's just not right <laughs> oh i know i know i know i know i know <laughs> oh awesome Gretchen. thank you so much okay thank you alan uh see you later okay bye-bye bye-bye You've been listening to the 78th episode of the This Is Reportage podcast. Really enjoyed talking to Gretchen. Hope you enjoyed listening. Head to thisreportagefamily.com or thisreportage.com for a link through to Gretchen's website and to see the specific Pooh Sticks Reportage Family Award that she talks about on the episode too. We have lots more episodes of the podcast available where we speak to family and wedding photographers from all over the world, delve into our back catalogue to hear from the likes of Yulia Rose Grime, Lisa Hu Chen, Marina Meadows, Andrew Billington, Pedro Villela, Rocio Vega, Peter Hellock, Darren Kerwin, Christian Levin, Tyler Workin, and many more too. If you're not yet a member of this reportage or this reportage family, check out all the benefits of joining us, including an unlimited number of images on your profile, 60 individual awards and 18 story award entries per year, invites to our physical meetups and parties, exclusive discounts, hours of educational videos featuring tips and advice on some of the world's best photographers, and much more too. Thank you if you submitted to our most recent award collections. We've received thousands of absolutely amazing submissions from all over the world, and our judges are currently pouring over them all. You can't submit during this time, our judging week, but you can still join us, and submissions will be open to our next round of awards. We have awards every two months, so six times a year as soon as the winners of these current collections are revealed soon. No poses, nothing staged, this is Repertage. And this is bye for now. Mm-hmm.